0: embrace the rebels within us and more deeply come to explore the complex and agitated edges of our existence now before we get started please don't be a rebel yet and grab your phone and hit that little button that says subscribe thank you because your dreams don't build themselves what's up and welcome back to the dream mason podcast i am your host alex terranova and man there's a lot going on in the world i don't even want to touch on half of it but the things that i do want to touch on because i think they impact the conversation we're going to have today are you know we're still in the wildest year of most of our lives 2020 and what where we're at right now is parts of the country are living normally with covid and quarantine so that means some people are doing whatever they're doing and have kind of no fear and no regard. And other people are, some people are still like very like locked up in their houses, quarantined, uh, don't really leave for things that they don't need. And then there's probably a lot of people that are somewhere in the middle, like, you know, uh, doing what they need to do to get by. Lots of businesses have re back opened. Other things have, have shut down. People are also challenged by a lot of like, you know, how to behave in a world that we've never been before. And then on top of all that, California in the last, I should say California, Oregon, the whole pretty much West Coast has been lit up with fires. I know there's been huge fires in Colorado. Also, Florida, I think it's Florida, Louisiana, just got hit with some like crazy hurricanes and flooding. Um, there was a, I forget what it was called, but its uh, it was like an on-land tornado in Iowa that nobody was really talking about because of all these other things. So it seems like every day there's just more and more things. And then we, you know, there's still um, people are still protesting. There's still people that are not protesting and actually like rioting. There's other people that are. Um, and then there's the whole political scene, right? We're like less than a hundred days. I think from probably like one of the most decisive elections in the history of our time, maybe. Um, and People are still living their lives. People are still having babies, getting married, running businesses, recording podcasts. My guest today, I really am am curious to dig in with them, like how all of this is impacting their business. They're launching this new business together and they're doing it in like one of the most chaotic times of their life and, and my life. This is also a cool episode because one of the guests goes all the way back to junior high with me. We actually grew up in the same neighborhood. We went to junior high together. We went to high school together. We ended up working together uh, in a coach-client relationship. Uh, she hired me at one point. And probably a few months ago, I got an email from her saying that she was launching this business, which blew my mind because I knew she was already up to so much and got me really excited to learn more about like how this happened, where it came from, who her partner was and all the details. So we're going to dive into all this. Let me introduce you to them. So my guests are Jessica Weingarten and Suzanne Ryan. Jessica and Suzanne are co-founders of a new company called Defy Foods, which is basically a keto food company, and they're starting off with a cracker that that we're gonna learn more about. Suzanne is also an international best-selling author. She wrote a book called Simply Keto and another book called Beyond Simply Keto. They're also best friends. They're moms to seven-year-olds. I know, um, and I, I know they. I don't, I don't know about all the rest of their lives, but I know specifically just because I know Jessica. There's a lot of other things going on. Um, I know she has a career. She has a husband. Suzanne, do you have a husband? Is there yes. a, a husband? A wife? Is there anything? There's yeah, there's something husband. cool. Yeah. Um, so thanks for jumping in there. So there's even more to their lives than than this. They're, and they they really turned a passion into a business. And I just learned that when they launched this on Kickstarter. They had a goal of $25,000. They hit $47,000, which actually put them in the top 1% of Kickstarter campaigns in the food category, which is pretty incredible. Welcome to the Dream Mason Podcast. Thanks for being here.
1: Hi, thanks for having hey. us.
0: Is there anything for either one of you that you're just like, you have to say that I left out or of your introduction or anything you want to like add for that people need to know about you?
1: No, not for me. You did a great job setting
0: us up, for sure. Um, Well, first off, again, I think I said this to you, Jessica, before we started, you are the oldest, not like in age, but (laughs) in terms of like, I think the the furthest back I've gone in my life with guests on this show, aside from my mom, right, my mom, (laughs) aside (laughs) from my mom, I think the farthest back I went is my best friend, Jonas, who you actually know, he went to high school with us also. Who nice. was on my 100th episode, but me and him met in high school, and you and me have known each other since actually since junior high.
1: Yeah, pretty crazy to think about.
0: It's insane, right? That's over 20. <laughs> I mean, that's like 20 over 20 years. That's pretty nuts. Um, and to think like how much we've changed and, and all the things that have happened in our lives. Um, so thanks for having that like little milestone with me. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm I, well, the first thing I want to, I just want both of you to speak to is like what it's like to be in the world and operate in a world right now where you have families, you know, husbands and children, you have your, your businesses that you were doing before you launched Defy Foods. Now you have Defy Foods that's launching and you're launching it in a time that no one could have ever predicted. No one would have ever wanted to predict. Like what, how are you kind of like dealing with this, rolling with this, you know, just tell me kind of about that.
1: Yeah, I can jump in first and then Suzanne can chime in. Um, I mean, I would say definitely it's a time of testing adaptability. And like one thing that we've definitely learned along the way with launching a new business is that there are curveballs right and left, irregardless of COVID and fires and homeschooling our kids. So I think it's taught us a lot of how to just kind of roll with the punches. And I wouldn't say it gets easier as you go, but it gets easier to expect that there are going to be curveballs. So I think for me, like it's definitely a work in progress of, you know, getting used to the fact that there's things that kind of pop up on a daily basis, on an hourly basis. Um, And then looking back at like things that we've already tackled that are pretty monumental and seeing that we've gotten to the other side of it. So like trying to keep that in perspective as these curveballs come that it's like we've tackled other things in the past too. Maybe not a pandemic, but we got to the other side of it and, you know, we got past it even though it seemed really hard in the in the moment.
2: Yeah, and I think on top of that, there's so many things in life that we want to do or we want to achieve, and it just seems like it's this huge mountain to climb, but we all know that it takes one step at a time. It's one day, one minute sometimes, and just breaking it down to what's my most important task and what can I, what can I do in this moment, and then just being flexible and adaptable, like Jess said. And you know, it's kind of funny to really think about. We named this company Defy Foods. And when we were talking about the name and the meaning behind it, we were like talking all about defying the odds. And if this company has not led us down that path of really overcoming the odds and the obstacles, then I don't know what can. So I think it's actually kind of cool to reflect back that we really are defying the odds and defying the obstacles along this journey. That's so true.
1: And I mean, just for everybody, we came up with the name. Two and a half years ago. Before. So like long before we even got into the meat of the company and hitting, you know, strides and things going on, and long before what's going on out in the world. So it is kind of serendipitous that it's very appropriate.
0: <laughs> I, I love that you speak to like, you know, you started right off with there's curveballs no matter what, right? Just like having children, being alive, like being married, like doing anything. Yeah. If you do anything that's not simple, there's basically going to be curveballs like life just does that. And that these might just be bigger, but that you have to just navigate them regardless and keep going. And I love what you said, um, Suzanne, about, you know, looking at what's important right now, like what's important today, one thing at a time, driving yourself forward from that place. And as somebody who wrote two books, I know in writing one, like, I'm sure you had to apply that also to, you know a book is a huge undertaking and then to do it twice I'm I'm curious what's been the most challenging thing that's hit in the last like two and a half years you said has there been one moment that you that had you both maybe pause and be like can we actually do this should we do this has there been a moment like that so many
2: Yeah, I mean, we're basically learning a new industry, learning a new language, learning a new system. And there's so many different levels to it that we just we had no way of knowing exactly all the dynamics of it. Um, so I think there's definitely been times where we're like, are we in over our heads? And luckily, like Jess and I really have this great relationship where we're like, listen, like well, we can do anything that we set our mind to, that we work hard on, but we definitely had Periods where we're like, what are we doing? (laughs) This is a lot.
1: Yeah, there were times at the beginning, and I mean, they still continue as new things come about where, like, we've literally texted each other while we're on conference calls with vendors being like, do you understand anything that they're talking about? Like, I don't know what any of this means. Like, I'm Googling acronyms, and it's like we're making decisions that potentially cost us a lot of money so it's like that's the added pressure on top of it of being like we're learning how to fly the plane while we build the plane and it costs a lot of money to build the plane (laughs) so there's like a lot of pressure on the decisions for sure and I think it's easy if you let it to go down the path of being like oh my god what are we doing like maybe this is a sign that we shouldn't be doing this And I think, like Suzanne said, like a lot of what has helped us continue to move forward is I think being able to lean on each other and having different strengths and weaknesses and be able to say like, no, like, let's just take it one step at a time. Let's focus on this and see what happens, you know, and being able to kind of help each other move through our own challenges.
0: there's There's like so much in there, but the thing that that stands out to me is the not letting the how stop you right like that's I don't know if you if you both look at the, out at the world and and see that and I feel like Jessica we may have even talked about that when we work together, something i I'm almost always talking about with clients when they want something that they've never done they're always like, but I don't know how and like how can I do something I don't know and it's like well most things are on google i love it you're like we're actually googling (laughs) things while we're on with these vendors but the that 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 example you gave about like we're building the plane while we're flying it that's actually the only way that you could do this you can't learn everything there is to learn and then go do it like this is the process and it takes something, which I would just label as like bravery or courage to be able to like leap into a world like this and not have any idea what you're doing. So many people would, this is what stops so many people, right? They don't know how, so they won't go forward. What's, what's the drive? Like what's pushing you both to be in this situation where you don't know how and yet you're like, it doesn't matter. We'll figure it out. We'll do it anyway. We're just going to keep going forward.
1: You want to take that one first, Suzanne? (laughs)
2: Um, You know, I think both of us are just really passionate about the why of why we're doing this. Uh, We are both busy working moms. We want better options for ourselves, our family, our kids. And there really is such a need in the market for convenient foods that are also healthy and have quality and thoughtful ingredients. And We're both really passionate about like the ketogenic lifestyle, so the tie-in is just really great for us to say like we really believe in this. We know that we're capable of it, and we know that setbacks setbacks are going to come, but like we can get through them together, and we can overcome this. And I think just like the mission of Defy Foods and offering things that really improve people's quality of lives because you know, nutrition is a form of medicine. And I think if we have better options for people, especially people who are so busy, if we have better options, that's going to lead towards a lot more healthy lives for a lot of people. And it means a lot to both of us. And I would
1: add on the other side, like there's, I can think of three or four different driving reasons why I want to do this and why we've still stuck with doing it. Um, I think one of them, first and foremost, is like meeting Suzanne long before um, her kind of story now of losing a lot of weight and writing multiple books and kind of growing a business. I think that really inspired me to see someone close up, like take something that happens in their life and like turn it into a career, a passion, a thriving business so, I saw that and kind of got a taste of it. And I was like, I want that. Like, I don't really want to be at a corporate job where I'm, you know, doing things that aren't really bettering where I want to be or making sacrifices with my family. Um, so, like, that was one piece. And then I think on that same token, thinking about my daughter and wanting to kind of set an example for her. And it's like, with working, With her, and she has some different struggles with school and learning. It's like I wanted to set an example to her that it's when I say, like, you know, just work hard and set your mind to it. And we all have struggles, but if we try, it's okay to fail. You know, it's like I had to really believe that myself. And I think this has been the best example and like learning experience for me to say that really is true. There's, failures and stumbling blocks and all kinds of things but throwing in the towel isn't an option you know it's like we need to persevere so I wanted to set that example for her too
0: I was going to actually ask you both about like, what are you learning from motherhood? And, and I want to, I want to actually come back to it before we go too far down the road. I want you to just tell like the listeners what defy foods makes, like just like share the actual, right. I know what it is. Cause I, I, I saw the Kickstarter. I jumped in on the Kickstarter. I was upset that they weren't vegan. Um, <laughs> but I actually, don't, I think it's great cause I don't think I'll be vegan forever. Um, but yeah, can you tell us about like this first like Defy Foods and then what's the this first product and like where you see it going?
1: Yeah. So, Defy Foods is basically a low carb, keto food line and initially we really wanted to kind of focus on snack foods and things that as we embarked on our own keto journeys, there really wasn't a lot of convenient Food products that you could just kind of buy that had good ingredients that were good for you and that still tasted good. It's like that trifecta is pretty much missing. (laughs) It's like you might find the convenience, but it tastes horrible, or it tastes great, but it has bad ingredients. So that was really kind of the driving force and vision behind what we wanted to do with the line. And as we thought about like what food do we want to come out with first, the main thing that we both were missing was crunch. And when we talked to other people doing keto, they pretty much said the same thing. Like, I just want something crunchy, like a chip or a cracker. Like, you know, you can have pork rinds or there's nuts, but like they don't really hit the spot or baked cheese. So that's kind of like what put the bug for us to be like, let's do crackers. Like, let's make that our first product. So without further ado, our first product is a (laughs) low-carb Uh, cheddar cracker and it really kind of just stemmed from our own desire as like we are kind of our core customer
0: ourselves how do you figure out how to make a like how, like just tell me about this process right like i i mean i'm as when i became a vegan this year i kind of figured out how to make everything vegan so i don't actually feel like i'm missing anything as a vegan Yeah, I don't think I'll stay a vegan because I actually don't think it's like necessarily working for my body. Like I don't necessarily feel like it's gone in the waves, but because I can cook, I've been able to craft, like I don't miss anything and being vegan has actually been really easy. That's not the case for everyone, right? And by you guys making a cracker, you're creating something that other people can't necessarily figure out or don't have time to. How did you both figure out how to make a cracker without using, right? Like I'm guessing that you can't have flour in it.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of one of the fun things about keto too, is you can use alternative ingredients and make almost anything that you can imagine in a different way. So I was really playing around with a lot of recipe creation because my books are also like part keto guide, but also part cookbook. So both books have like over a hundred recipes in them. And So Jess and I were doing a lot of recipe testing and we were doing family dinners once, almost like once a week at each other's houses. And we would be playing around with different things. And crackers was just one of those things that we missed because there are so many great dips that you can have with keto, but then there's no vessel. (laughs) So normally when you go out to like a restaurant, like you'll eat guacamole with a fork instead of chips, or if you can get celery or something like that, but we really wanted like an actual cracker. So we just started playing around with different ingredients and uh, eventually got like a really great tasting cracker. And I mean, we probably
1: have gone through hundreds of variations. Um, I mean, at least a hundred like in our own kitchens. And I think the most challenging part when you think about like, how do you create a recipe, but then how do you commercialize it? is that it's a completely different beast. And that was like a huge learning curve for us. So we spent months, if not a year, like perfecting the formula, which is what it's called at a commercial scale, not a (laughs) recipe, but like in our kitchen, a recipe of a cracker that we loved, that like we had people try and they loved it. And then we went to try to produce it at the commercial scale And ran into like problem after problem where it was like a high fat product can't run through this type of machinery. It's literally like spitting out fat from the machine. (laughs) Um, So then that led down another path of like making tweaks to it and trying to get it to work at a commercial scale without sacrificing like the flavor profile and everything that we liked about the original cracker. So it's definitely, it's like, it's a work in progress for sure. And like, you just keep kind of tackling it bit by bit, like we said, where it's like, okay, well, we got this piece to work. Now we've got to work on like, getting the salt at the right level. Now we've got to work on the cheese flavor, you know, and making sure each part, we're just chipping away at it to get it to a place that
2: we feel really good about that work. So now we're also formulators and food scientists as well. So it's like one of the many hats of this.
0: I love the example of, like you didn't fail a hundred times. Maybe you did, right? Like, I don't know what, it's just a label. But you had to go through this thing of getting it wrong, getting it wrong, getting it better. Maybe like steps forward, steps back. But ultimately, it was just like, you just kept applying, like, we just have to keep doing it. And then there's a new thing, right? Like a machine spits it out. And now we have to figure out a whole new way, which would have felt like probably, I'm sure when it happened was like a bunch of steps backwards. Like we just found this recipe and now we got to go backwards. Yeah. And there's no shortcuts. Like that's how, as I was listening, I'm like, there's no shortcuts to this thing. And it reminds me of like, whenever anybody wants to do any new kind of business, right? If you're like a great home chef and you're like, oh my God, I want to have a restaurant. First of all, it's never going to be this. It's not the same thing. Yeah. Like get ready for what exactly, what it's, it might not be a machine that spits it back out, but it's going to be customers that spit it back out. You're the <laughs> or, machine. Yeah, or the staff or whatever. Out. And I was even thinking like yesterday, I was writing something about how in the coaching industry, there's all these like very, there's so many untrained, there's a, it's a anyone can get into it. So there's all these people that are looking for like, how do I, how do I shortcut it? So tell me how to like get high ticket clients for, you know, a super easy way. And, and, and I had somebody approach, I get people approaching me all the time. And I'm like, that, that's not a thing. Like learn your craft, repeat it over and over and over and over and over. So you get better. And over time, that's how you build a successful business. It's like, Mm -hmm. if you want to be like a one hit wonder, right? Like do something really quick and try to get it out. But what I, that's what I'm getting from you both is, Like we're not just trying to get this thing out and make some quick money. We're like building something much bigger, which requires us to go forward and back and forward and back and forward and back. But with each forward and back, you are getting a little bit closer to this ultimate outcome. That's really cool. Um, And I can't imagine how you, like that idea of like, every time one of those things hit, like the machine spits it out where you're like, all right, let's go back into the kitchen. And that your families didn't hate you for feeding them crackers, like, all the time.
2: <laughs> I know, we um, thought we'd be sick of them by now, but we still love them, which is great.
0: <laughs> I, I wish I could, like, I wish I could try them and, like, know what, you know, like, I could speak to them also. But I think, like, that also says, like, you kept having to do it, so you probably were your harshest critics also. Like, this yeah, doesn't work for us. Sure. Um. I wanna talk, I wanna learn more too about like the partnership piece, right? You said you're best friends, you you do different things outside of of this, right? Like Jessica, you came from like a corporate world. Suzanne, you're writing books. And I, I don't like how is this working as a partnership? Like do you fight? Do you disagree? How do you solve problems when they do come up between you?
1: I mean, I think one of the things that we're really lucky to have, and it's probably one of the driving forces of why we decided to go forward with this, is we are remarkably almost always on the same page, which is kind of crazy. I mean, down to little things where it's like looking at a design or packaging colors or whatever, it's. We're almost always on the same page, which definitely helps. I mean, I think it would be really challenging to be in a partnership with like equal say of things if we were constantly butting heads, being like, no, I think this, I think that. (laughs) So that instills a lot of trust, I think, because we know that we can lean on each other to make decisions and that we can kind of bounce ideas. And it's not that we like think exactly the same by any means. But that you know, we kind of can come to a decision that takes input from both sides, and that we're kind of starting at a similar place. So I think like that's one thing that we definitely have um, in our favor. I think there's like a lot of other things along the way that are challenging for sure. I mean, one of which just recently is Suzanne moved across the country, so we kind of the first two years of this or the first year and a half, I think part of what made the journey really fun was that we were like, at least we're having fun while we're doing it. You know, like, even though this is so hard, like we can get together, our families, our friends, like we'll have a glass of wine and we'll figure this out and at least laugh about it. You know, and we spent like a lot of late nights together midnight, like baking in our kitchen, brainstorming things on a whiteboard. So I think like one new challenge, at least I can speak for me, is like not being together. Like the, the virtual interaction and communication is definitely a lot different. And I think kind of doesn't have that same element of like camaraderie that we're literally together, which with COVID, even if we were living in the same state, we still might not have that, but that has been a challenge for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think definitely like the move was definitely, you know, getting used to things and we're still very much getting used to things. And with COVID, it was kind of interesting because we were already having to, like before we were together all the time, like every weekend, like during the week. So we were starting to have to like meet outside to do meetings and and things like that. Um, But one of the things that I will say, I think is a really good strength for us is our strength and weaknesses like, like work together so well. Um, Like we just kind of like really like complete each other really well in like different tasks for the, for the company and for our friendship. And it's always been really important to us that like we keep the communication open and honest. So we talk about things when they come up and we always make our friendship a priority as well, which is really important to both of us.
0: What about the Kickstarter campaign? So you're the first, I don't actually, I I think like the first maybe people that I've talked to, especially on this podcast about it, whether people have done it, I don't know. But what was that like, right? We read about people that do things like this. You hear about them. Um, I'm sure anybody at some point, if they had an idea, thought about like, you know, I've thought about like doing something like that. Um, What's that? What was that process like? Like going out there and asking people, right? So many people have issues asking people for support, for help. And especially when it comes to money, there's like a whole right? That like unlocks a whole treasure chest of, you know, thoughts and feelings. So what was the process like to to kind of open the Kickstarter and go down that road?
1: I mean, Kickstarter was definitely a wild ride. Um, If you can imagine like cramming everything into kind of this 30-day period that's sort of a ticking time bomb, it kind of amplifies everything going on. It's like decision-making needs to happen very quickly. Pivoting needs to happen super quickly. Um, Not to mention that like we kind of what we spoke to before, we had spent so much time and effort focusing on actually making this product producible And that was kind of our biggest stumbling block going into it. And we wanted to enter into Kickstarter feeling really confident that we had a viable product. Like the last thing we wanted to do was put it out there, ask people to support us, believe in us, and then be like, oh, actually, this doesn't work. Um, So now what do we do? So we spent like a lot of time and due diligence on getting the product to a really great place. And then COVID happened and we were ready to launch and we were like, you know, it just seems insensitive to talk about this right now with everything else going on. So we delayed things and then Black Lives Matter movement happened. And we were like, well, now it's even more insensitive to talk about how we're so excited about crackers when there's like crazy stuff happening in the world right now. So we kind of didn't talk about the crackers leading up to the Kickstarter because of the macro environment. And when we jumped into the Kickstarter, we quickly learned that like a lot of these other campaigns that we had followed and seen their success had done like months of lead up of priming and building their audience and, you know, getting people kind of down that funnel for from a marketing perspective So we quickly were kind of in this position where we're like, holy crap, like we have to play catch up now and the time is ticking. So I mean, on a tactical level, we literally had our multiple hour conference calls, like almost every morning of the Kickstarter to reflect on what was happening, what was working, what isn't working, what are we going to do today? So it's like we're putting together the communication plan, then literally drafting the communications. I taught myself how to use Illustrator during the campaign so that I could develop assets because we couldn't get them fast enough from our designer. So it was like definitely a wild ride of being like, whoa, what did we dive into? People told us beforehand, like, get ready, like, buckle up. It's like a crazy (laughs) ride. And I was like... I don't really know what they mean. Like you just kind of turn it on and like send a few emails and then people come. And we quickly realized like that wasn't really the case.
2: Well, and then the other element of it is like just getting everything ready to launch the Kickstarter is like a full-time job. I mean, all the marketing, what you're going to put on there, recording the video, which that was very interesting. Um, You know, there's so many elements that go into like before you launch the Kickstarter, there's so many different things to work on. And that was just so time consuming to get everything dialed in properly.
0: It, yeah, it's almost like there's a whole second business, even though it, it is, it's the same, right? It, it almost sounds like, hey, we're, cause you're still moving along the process of everything else. And then there's almost a whole nother business that you're launching that supports the first business, but it's, it, it's a beast of its own.
1: Yeah, for sure. Would you do
0: it again? If you had a new product, would you go down the Kickstarter road for a second time?
2: That's a good I- question. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a possibility that maybe we would go with a different platform. Um, We learned after the fact that Kickstarter is like a very like male-based audience and our platform is a lot more female-based. So there's different audiences that I think might have been better fitted for our business. Um, And then there's some logistical things on the end side with Kickstarter that are kind of frustrating. Like you have to collect people's addresses Uh, And it's very confusing for a lot of people. It's not a great experience for either side. Um, So I think there's some definitely things that Kickstarter could do to improve things. But all in all, I think it was like really a great thing for us. And um, I think, I mean, I would do it again, but maybe just a different platform.
1: And I think like, I probably would lean towards doing it again. I mean, I do think ultimately when all is said and done, like it's a great way to gauge interest in your product, to have kind of like have an opportunity to keep the training wheels on before you fully take off. Um, And I do think it's a great way to help fund your business while still offering a product to people. Um, So I think ultimately like the idea behind Kickstarter is great, but similar to Suzanne, I think there's a lot of things that we learned that I would do really different the next go round. Um, And then there's a lot of things we learned that are inherent to just doing a Kickstarter that you can't really change, Mm -hmm. but at least, you know, knowing those things going into the next round, I think would make another (laughs) shot at it a little bit smoother and easier
0: okay so my ego has a question now it's like very loud and it really wants to ask this and i'm like it's going to be kind of be fun but without naming any names my ego is like well if i was doing a kickstarter i would be having opinions about who or did or did or didn't give me money right you email all these people that you've known for however much time in your life family members friends And I'm just curious, like, did you have to play that game where you're like, I can't believe this person I know who's super rich only gave me $50? Or like, I can't believe that these people that were my friends didn't actually do it. Because I'm assuming you see who gives money, I'm guessing. and then and then maybe even the opposite on the positive side, like, oh my God, I'm so surprised and happy somebody I never thought would have given money. Like again, right, it's from ego. I'm asking you ego to, to you. I'm speaking from my ego to yours. Does stuff like that ever come up when you're doing a Kickstarter? Like where you're kind of not intentionally right, but from that subconscious ego place, like judging people in the conversation.
1: I think my experience was, you know, back to something you touched on before, like. I definitely had a pivotal moment as I was crafting like my email campaign that was going to go out to my friends and family. And I was like, okay, do I make the list smaller to the people who I feel comfortable asking this of? Or do I make the list as broad as it can be? That's just like anybody I've ever worked with, like anybody that I'm connected to on LinkedIn. And I was like, I don't know, like, I feel kind of conflicted. Like, it feels kind of tacky to go out to everybody when there's people I haven't talked to for like 10 or 15 years. And then on the flip side, I was like, I mean, when else am I ever going to do this and ask for people's support? Like, worst that they can do is say like, wow, that was really tacky that you like hit me up for support on this. So I decided to go with like, I'm just going to put everybody that possibly comes to mind. And then I put myself in their shoes and I'm like, actually, I think if I got a personalized email from somebody that I hadn't spoken to in 10 years talking about like this new venture, I would kind of feel honored that they thought of me like, wow, you thought of me from like 10 years ago when we worked together. Like I wouldn't even think you remembered me. So I went into it kind of thinking like, well, I'm just going to go for it. You know, worst that can happen is I piss a few people off. And I was really blown away with the type of support. Like I got like personalized messages from people that I hadn't spoken to in 15 years that were like, I'm so excited for you. This is amazing. Like I can't wait to support it. So I feel like that was actually one of the really positive things personally that came out of doing the Kickstarter is it really kind of like renewed my faith in humanity. I mean, I know that sounds cliche, but I can oftentimes be pessimistic about thinking like the worst. And I was so blown away with how supportive people were that it was like less about the dollar amount and more just even like the nice emails. Even if somebody wrote and was like, you know, I just got laid off. Like I would love to support you, but I just wanted to tell you like I'm so excited for you. I'm going to be following along in your journey. I was like, that's good enough for me. Like, I totally get it. Like, not everybody has the money to support it, you know, but like the nice sentiments really like went a long way.
0: I, um, yeah, I love that you you threw that in because I've never actually thought, When I, you know, we get things like this all the time, right? From different people in different areas of our life. And I've never had the negative thought. Like, I've never been like, how dare they? How dare they put me? You know, like, obviously I delete, there's lots of emails I delete that I don't, some I don't read, some I do. Um, And it's like, we choose, right? Sometimes we support things and sometimes we don't, but I've never had a negative thought about it. But I think it's interesting that we do. And I love that you put that in, that our mind creates that, like, I'm going to send someone an email about whatever I'm up to, whether it's just sharing or anything. And that our mind is like, comes up with all these crazy reasons why it's bad. And that you actually were like, what's the worst thing that like, you know, I'm not doing, I'm not asking people to support me, like murdering people here. Like I'm asking (laughs) to support something that's like a passion project. Um, Yeah. I like, I've, I've, I've had that thought a lot. I've never done a Kickstarter, but I've had that thought a lot when I'm sending out emails about like this podcast or other things that I'm up to. Like, my brain tells me all these negative things. And then I'm like, most people just actually just delete it and move on with their life if they're not interested.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) I use that technique all the time to like flip the script and say, how would I respond if I was on the receiving end of that? And it totally helps me put things in perspective because I've never had a negative response to being on the receiving end of something like that. You know, I'm not like, wow, how dare you? contact me and like share your new venture and ask for support you know so then it helps you kind of rein in those like wild negative thoughts where you can go down a rabbit hole and be like probably not very likely that this is going to happen and if it does you know it's the few people like it's not the end of the
0: world Suzanne, I want to get your take on how this looks compared to like putting your book out, in, books in, out into the world, right? Books, at least for me, writing a book was very personal. I had, I actually had to get past a lot of demons that were like, people are going to judge you. What stories can you tell? What can you share? What you can't? What if everyone hates it or they think you're a terrible writer or something like that? And then there's a like nobody's eating my book. <laughs> it's like I mean, I hope not. Um, and so th- it's kind of a different product, right? Like if you don't the there's no there might not be a visceral reaction like you taste a cracker you don't like it you might have a visceral reaction i'm just what's the is the experience the same putting a product that you someone can eat versus essentially an idea which are the books are kind of like more of an idea out into the world or is it the same for you
2: i think there's definitely some overlap and then there's some things that are just vastly different so like my books were and all of my social media stuff is very very personal so I lost 120 pounds doing keto. And so I really dove into the books about all the emotional and mental health aspects that you also go through with that, which is like way beyond just like what you're eating. And with the crackers and, you know, the food line, it's also putting like a part of you and part of something that you care about into the world. But there's this quote that I learned from Brene Brown, and it has forever changed my outlook and my life. And it's don't go through life looking for proof that you don't belong because you will always find it. And that. Whenever I start to second guess myself, I remember that if I'm, if I'm searching for somebody to reject something that I do or that I say, or that I feel that I think is meaningful to contribute, like I can't let that inner voice stop me. So I kind of, I just move past it and I just make sure that I do a gut check that what I'm doing is something that I feel really like passionate about and then I just move forward anyways. But there's definitely some overlap with the crackers and the books, but the books are definitely a a really, really personal because it's like my story also going out.
0: Is there, I'm curious, this is kind of like the feedback and this kind of goes for both of you, you know, in in me producing a book and launching my own business instead of, you know, when I used to work for someone else, there's a lot of feedback that came with it from a different standpoint, right? As an employee of a company, feedback was kind of like, hey, you need to do it this way because it's not your company. And and it never, I might've disagreed, I might've been annoyed, but it wasn't personal, it was just like kind of annoying. When I launched my own business and then wrote a book, feedback started to feel very personal. Right. Like that, even though I could give my book to an editor and I that you're hiring them to make your book better, when they would give it back to me with the edits, it felt (laughs) like they might as well have just wrote, here's your book, stupid, like on, on the outside of it. And that's obviously not what they were doing. I'm curious how you did you both learn anything through and through the process of feedback? Right? People are tasting your crackers. You said your families are involved in this process and whatnot. How was the feedback process for you? And like, did you learn anything about yourselves through that process?
2: I mean, I think we both are like so open and appreciative of feedback. Um, I think sometimes like you do have to like remember that it's not personal. And when people are giving you feedback, they're giving you feedback to try to help you. So we are always like so happy for any type of feedback and keeping in mind that, We're never going to be able to make everybody happy, but if there's like a resounding thing of like, Hey, we really want this to be like this way more, or I don't like this, then definitely we take that into consideration, but we're just super, super thankful for feedback because that's what we, you know, that's what makes us better.
1: I think for me, it's really interesting. Like I kind of have the polar opposite experience from you, Alex, where my background, you know, prior to launching this company um, is in the creative and marketing field, which is like very much at times a personal expression of putting something out there and then be, getting feedback and critiqued from dozens of people within the organization. So I, my tendency is to take everything personally. And I've had a lot of experience with that in my career. So I think, on one hand, I actually battled with not taking things personally more so at my corporate job, but it also helped me kind of grow a thicker skin and get used to getting feedback. So then, in launching my own company, it's almost like I take it less personally because we're talking about like a physical product. That isn't necessarily like my personal expression of like my writing or how I'm displaying something. So like Suzanne said, it's like the feedback is really helpful, like more so than, you know, feeling hurtful or hurting our pride in that sense. But it's just an interesting, different perspective for me personally, from like my background
0: Yeah. It's all like, it's good to, I mean, it's nice. I think we all know this, but I think we don't always recognize it. Like how every experience is just so different for each of us individually. Like we think people see things like we do. Um, this like time flew by is is there anything that you both want to leave the audience? And I'm really specific. Like in my mind, I'm thinking like people that have a dream or a passion or a vision that it's like, Like, what would you want to tell them? Like, maybe those people that aren't starting, that are afraid, that don't know how. I mean, if you have something.
2: I mean, I think for me, one of the biggest things was realizing that oftentimes the biggest challenge was me getting out of my own way because you sometimes can assume that people who are successful are doing things that you think are cool or you know, you have an idea that you really want to do. And then you start thinking about all these reasons of why you can't do it. Or like we talked about earlier about the hows, we let that stop us. And I think you just have to jump in and know and trust yourself that you'll figure it out and that you'll take things a step at a time. And that The biggest failure is in not doing anything. It's in stopping because you're gonna have setbacks. There's gonna be so many things that you're gonna learn along the way, and they're gonna make you better and stronger, and you'll get better at juggling things as they come along the way. But if you just stop in fear and you let that fear hold you back, then that's the ultimate failure because you never begin. You know, you just tell yourselves all these things. So I think really working on. The things that we say to ourselves and the things the self-limiting that we can all do and get out of our own way and just move forward into what you want to do, you'll be really surprised with what you can accomplish.
1: I think um, for me, kind of on that same note, something that I consistently work on is I, I think we all have a tendency to look at somebody else or something that they are doing and simplify it and glamorize it like wow like why is it so easy for them it's like they have this business and somehow they're super successful and it seems like they just everything has worked out for them and i think the reality is like everybody is facing challenges with anything that they're trying to do that's hard or new or challenging or stretching themselves so i think like not pitting yourself You know, against yourself, right? Like trying to live up or have this experience that's unrealistic based on our perceptions of how it's supposed to go or how it goes for other people. Um, I think that's been a huge learning curve for me and kind of helps to continue to push forward and could help somebody realize like it's okay to start and for it to be hard and to figure it out and to hit challenges and that everybody's doing that, even if you're just looking at the highlight reel, you know, of like how glamorous and great and successful it looks like on the back end, there's a lot of grit and perseverance that has to happen for anybody.
0: I just want to thank you both for being here doing this. Um, people that want to check out, uh, Your new crackers, Defy Foods, it's defyfoods.com. You're also, you have a Facebook page, your Twitter at Defy Foods, your Instagram at Defy Foods. Um, Do you both have personal pages? Do you share those or is it just everything Defy Foods? Do you want people to follow you in real like who you are? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we
2: post, we do post on Instagram on other things as well. Um, Mine on Instagram is keto karma.
0: Nice. And then okay. just,
2: which one are yeah, you able to, I mean, I don't
1: really have a huge social media presence personally, but my like keto related personal um, Instagram is curls and keto, which is my <laughs> hair journey and my <laughs> keto journey. Um, so yeah, I'm not super active on it, but that's my personal one.
0: Cool. Um, Definitely check out, go check out these crackers. They look amazing. When I'm not vegan next year, I'll try them. Um, and I know you both were down to give away some, some crackers when they actually come out. Uh, if you each pick a number between one and five. Two. Just say your number. Two and? Five. Five. So seven. Mm-hmm. So the seventh person to email alex at thedreammason.com, you'll get a I'm guessing a care package from you guys <laughs> with some crackers in 2021. Um, so the seventh person that email Alex at the dream uh, will win that. Thank you both for being here. Thanks for sharing your story. Um, I'm just, I just really appreciate it and uh, it's so cool Jessica to have somebody that like we go back so long um, to like have followed your journey to have watched you like you know obviously we knew each other as kids but then to see like you get married have your own children um, or your your daughter and then now like launching a company and like stepping into like something completely new. Um, so thanks Thank for being here and sharing that journey with, uh, with me, but also with the audience.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having us. It was super fun and I always love talking to you. I mean, we've talked in many different capacities and this was equally as cool as all the other
0: ones. Thanks for saying that. And Suzanne... Thanks. It's good to meet you for the first time. Thanks for having our first meeting be here.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Nice to meet you too. I've heard all about you.
0: Thanks. And if, and Hey, if I would love if, you know, once these crackers are out and the company grows, please let me know if you want to come back. I would love to do like a follow-up down the road to like what's happened and where it's going and whatnot. I think, I mean, you guys have a perfect story of, I want to say like, you're not neither one of it's, you're not rich famous like your are people that are successful and driving their lives but you have all these things and yet you like had a new dream and you're building it from scratch and i think there's so much that we can take from that so thanks yeah for being we would here.
1: love to thank and
0: you you're welcome everyone listening thank you for being here thanks for listening if you want any more information about either uh suzanne or jessica you can find it in the show notes thanks for listening to this episode please share this episode with someone that needs to hear it. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Honestly, I'm just a rebel who found a cause and has a dream. And I'm super grateful for your support. If you got anything from this, please help me out and share this podcast with one person today. You can find me at thedreammason.com or at inspirationalalex on Instagram. You are a dream Mason because your dreams don't build themselves.